All right, welcome back to another episode of the Public Speakers Podcast. On today's podcast, I have Laura Reed, who is on the podcast. Um, I think Laura posted a content uh, uh, or a post about public speaking, and I commented under that piece of content, and then we connected, uh, and now she's here to talk to me about public speaking. So Laura is a public speaker and coach. So this is going to be just an episode getting her insights on public speaking, some tips and tricks, and then we'll see wherever the conversation goes. So Laura, why don't you tell everybody where you're from? You're in a pretty cool location that most people don't get to live their life in um, and what you are currently doing at this stage of your life. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. And I am on the big island of Hawaii. And believe it or not, we do have some seasons here. I moved from upstate New York, so I was used to having really distinct seasons, but I'm at a really high elevation here on the island. So it does get, it actually gets really chilly and the leaves are changing on some trees and I'm starting to notice um, what happens during the seasons here. Right. And that's, but I do miss New York. That's crazy. So you went from upstate New York all the way to Hawaii. And when did you decide to make this change in your life? About two years ago, I made this change. I I think sometimes big events happen in your life that tend to propel you in a new direction. And I loved my life in New York. I owned a Montessori one-room schoolhouse and everything was very comfortable and nice. But then I, I turned 50 and my father passed away. Wow. We were mostly in upstate New York for my dad. And so he could get to know my son really well. And they, they did. They were best buds. But I think when big events happen like that in our lives, it gets us to, I think I stopped thinking about what the next thing needed to be and started thinking more about what's the dream. Like, what do I really, I am probably more than halfway through my life now. And what are the things in me still that I have yet to really do? And since I moved to the Big Island, I've been just going, you know, full on courage and trying to um, to really break out of my comfort zone quite a bit. Right. And um, that's been wonderful. It's been scary and uh, challenging and wonderful. So before we get into what you're um, currently doing on the Big Island, especially in its relationship to communication and the communication industry, um, you said at 50, after a huge event happened in your life, you started to ask yourself more questions, given you were recognizing the nature of your mortality, which is like, what do I want out of life? What bigger dreams are there? So I guess my question is, up until 50, what were you really doing in terms of like, um, like, professional career or things that you were pursuing and how did the change to 50 and that life event trigger something different in terms of thinking a little bit more deeply about your mortality? This gets back to really my, what I call my origin story. You know, growing up, I had a severe stutter Mm. and I knew I had a lot to say and I had stories to tell, but my stutter really prevented me from literally using my voice. People talk a lot about finding your voice in public speaking, but for me, yeah, it was very much a literal journey. And um, I went through years of speech therapy to find it and eventually became much more fluid. Although honestly, to this day, I've learned so many good tricks to hide my stutter, so it rarely shows its face. Right. Um, But 
really breaking out of that was huge for me in how I pursued what I wanted to do. And yet I had this lingering anxiety about public speaking specifically. Um, but I also, at the same time, I contrasted that with having this need to really get out there and use my voice. Um, and while I was, I was teaching, I always found, you know, a lot of stutterers, it's interesting. We have these comfort zones where we can be really fluid. A lot of stutterers are famous actors. And when they're acting, they're totally fluid. They can speak. But outside right. of that, in like the real world, they're not able to. Or you can speak to, let's say, your dog fluidly. But for me, it was children. I could always speak um, really fluidly to children. And it felt like the safe comfort zone for me. So I naturally went towards teaching. I, um, I actually taught first in Zimbabwe as a Peace Corps volunteer. Wow. And wow. it was just this great liberating feeling to get up in front of the classroom and be able to speak without all this anxiety I normally had with adults. <laughs> Um, and right. then after that, I eventually went on to get my master's in education and studied Montessori, opened up my own school, ran that for quite a long time. And I think what started happening was, nope, there was something else I was meant to do and challenge myself. And how I challenged myself was I began entering in storytelling competitions, very much like the moth. If there's any fans of the moth out there, it's on stage. You, uh, that's a show on NPR, on stage, um, five minutes, no notes, front of a microphone, literally judged by judges, <laughs> and you tell a story. Right. And I began to enter a similar competition that we had in Ithaca, New York. And I, uh, the first time I did it, I, to be quite honest with you, um, I had to take Xanax just to be able to um, not pass out on yeah. stage. Yeah, um, because but of speech I, anxiety, right? Because of being nervous? being so nervous, all that anxiety that I had, and I just wanted to be able to do it. So that's what I relied on at first. But then I started winning these competitions and it fed my soul in this new way. Right. And I decided that is something I really, really need to keep doing. And then I kind of challenged myself eventually to not take any medication to get me through it and just be my more authentic self. And that was really one of the most empowering experiences I've had to get up on a stage after, you know, decades of being um, completely fearful of doing that, be able to tell my true stories from my life right? and then have these judges like judge me and give me like a 10 out of 10. It's like, it was such validation. So when we moved to Hawaii, it was a chance to really pull everything together, my love of education, my entrepreneurship and being a business owner, running my own school and the storytelling. And so I've pulled that together here in a way that um, is so aligned with what I love to do. So now I work with business owners. I help them tell their stories. I help them break out of their public speaking fear so they can not only create these like amazing kind of marketing stories for their business, right. but also tell them. And that's what I, I've loved doing that more than anything else in my life. And so I have this new comfort zone that's out of my comfort zone. And that's been great. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's amazing. Okay, so we're going to get into that in, in a second. I just want to backtrack for a little bit. Um, at what age did you start participating in these little community uh, competitions for storytelling? It was probably about a decade ago in, in my 40s that I started challenging myself when it I you know saw that this is something that 
people were doing locally. Right. I had already been a big fan of listening to these stories on NPR through the Moth Radio Hour, it was called. And right. um, I've always been a fan of storytelling. When I wasn't able to speak as a child, I naturally just turned to writing because, like I said, I had these stories in, in me that had to come out. At that time, that was the only way they could come out. And I've always been a writer. So I do content writing now as well. But what I loved is merging my stories that I'd written with being able to publicly tell them verbally in public speaking is I almost look at it as a performance art when I was up there doing these storytelling competitions. That's what it is. That, yeah. That's what it, it is. And I always wanted to be an actress. I think I let... Um, I let my fear, you know, get the best of me. And I told myself I can never be an actress. I, right. I'm terrified of speaking, right? I can barely use my voice. Um, but now this is a way I can still kind of, you know, I'm, a, I'm also a speaker now. So I, I get to be on stage in this way that um so empowering. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I relate to that on two levels. One is because um, I'm a senior in college right now. And in high school, I did speech and debate. So I was going to competitions uh, across the country um, where I literally had judges judge me for how I spoke and how I debated. So that's why I asked when you found that value and that participation of it, because the people who are able to tell stories, for me, it was more argumentative stories, but stories nonetheless, and then get validation from random strangers who think that your stories are meaningful um, and actually cast the ballot for you, right, actually give you a 10 out of 10 is 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 it just an empowering experience that actually gets you to really get over that fear and the second thing i was going to say to relate to you is from my earliest memory i've wanted to be a rock star and once i realized i couldn't sing or dance but i fell in love with speaking i was like my heart is on the stage but my body's in the crowd so how do i get my ass on that stage and speaking sort of became the way to do that as well yeah, your heart is on the stage. I love that. That's, yeah, that's exactly, not my line. Yeah. It's a line by a rapper. His name is Big Sean. I will not take credit for that. <laughs> but, okay, but that's beautiful. I was so. like, it's too beautiful of a line for me to take credit for. Um, yeah. Okay, so now you're in Hawaii. Now, uh, two years ago, you moved to Hawaii. You are currently helping business overs get over their fear of public speaking and have more confidence in how they communicate their messages to the world. And you're helping that through the realm of marketing as well. Um before I get into my deeper questions for public speaking, what has been the biggest challenge, biggest rewarding thing about starting to work with all these other random business owners and actually getting them to get out their comfort zone? Mm. I think the biggest challenge is seeing them, meeting them really where they are on this holistic level. Like for example, you could Google public speaking tips and you're gonna find some really good tips that are going to work for you perhaps for a while, but I feel like they're not necessarily sustainable until you get to these deeper rooted um, mindsets of right. Philosophy why you're scared of it to begin with. Right. So I think when people come to me for help and they want these quick fixes, but I wanna slow down for a minute. Like let's really get to the, the heart of where this fear is coming from, what is standing in your way, what your inner critic is telling you, and start to kind of undo some of those things and love and be more compassionate towards ourselves um, before we begin in just, you know, getting out there and trying out these, these tips and strategies, right? right? And so I think that's been a challenge, but I'm also a certified life coach. So I know the questions to ask someone right. to begin to uncover who they 
who they are first so right. we can get in touch on a deeper level because I'm more interested in a transformational um, a transformational journey rather right. than a quick superficial fix to just get you up on stage like I was doing with Xanax, right? Yeah, right. that I'll get the job done maybe, but I'm not really being my authentic self and I'm not really dealing with the bigger issues. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was actually on on a Reddit forum for public speaking, looking at just concerns people had. And one person's question was like, so should I take propanol 30 minutes before my speech or 60 minutes? <laughs> and I just like, I had never, like now when you said you took Xanax, I can understand it because in the summer when I saw that Reddit post, I, I couldn't understand it. I was like, people take drugs to get over this stuff? Like this was insane. That's when I realized that I guess the problem that I'm kind of trying to solve too with the fear of public speaking, it's legitimate. Like it's very real um, yeah. when there's drugs involved, you know? Yeah. So I was on some of the same forums when I was <laughs> figuring out what my dosage should be for Xanax. And Makes I sense. was amazed. There were like, I mean, there were hundreds of people on them asking about dosage and yeah, how Xanax kicks in after like 10 minutes or so. It's really quick. Right. So that's why it was kind of this drug of joys. But I think, you know what? I think I took propanol. I tried that too. Because yeah. that was supposed to help you more like not forget. Like the problem with Xanax is it, it messes with your memory. So if you're up there, that cannot be good. But I took it anyway because my fear was still more powerful than even wanting to remember what it was I needed to say. Right. I mean, that's how powerful the, this is. And um, yeah, <laughs> right. it's definitely a thing. <laughs> Now, when you said you're a, uh, a certified life coach and you know the questions to ask someone to get them to discover who they truly are, what really stuck out to me about what you said is discover who they truly are. Um, I think mm -hmm. basically that's that means self-awareness, right? It seems like yes. all of us are on this journey in life to self-actualize, to figure it out if there is some objective reality about who we are, because it seems like... The, the answer to life is once you figure out who you are, you can start living. You can start living in purpose and meaning that is much more um, joyous than just living in constant confusion or a state of uh, a state of not being in the middle, not knowing what you're what you're about. Mm -hmm. When it comes to public speaking, how important is it in order to get the message to be impactful and passionate for the clients that you've coached to actually be on a transformational journey to know who they are? It's incredibly important especially because I believe that one of the most powerful things we can do as public speakers is tell our story or a story. Um, incorporate, incorporate that always into your speaking. And it doesn't matter what you are speaking about. I've worked with insurance salesmen and realtors, and they're giving these workshops here and there. When they tell their stories about why they do what they do or how they've helped transform a client, that they're more memorable and it's so much more engaging than any facts and figures they might be sharing. And so it's incredibly important for them to get in touch with that, to get in touch with their story and who they really are. And the only way they can do that is by answering these questions for themselves. Like just why, like, why do you love to do what you do? Right. Right. Like right. why, like what brings you joy? Like what gets you up in the morning and out of that door? And if they can't be passionate about what they're speaking about and what they're doing, perhaps they're not doing the right thing, right? And um, and you see that all the time. You see people that are, yeah. you know, if you've waited in line at the DMV, whatever, like those people are probably like not real happy with their jobs, right? And um, but someone that is, that's going to shine through. And I think that's really important to 
figure out how to let that shine really bright. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think that kind of answers my next question, but I think we can get a little bit more deeper into it and, and get into some bigger discussions. From someone who took Xanax and propanol to get over the fear of public speaking to now not having to do that, what is your number one tip to anyone who's listening to this or watching this if they're afraid of public speaking? How do they get over that fear? My number one tip, it really gets to a really deep level. And it sounds a little counterintuitive, but for me, this has been the most impactful thing. And yes, there's different tips out there that I could give you, you know, I'm, a to I'm in Toastmasters too, right? So in there, we're always about, you know, the very um, kind of rudimentary things, varying your vocal breathing tone, techniques, yeah. eye contact, breathing, all of those things are out there. But this is something that you don't hear all the time. Mm -hmm. But what I found is a tool where you're getting in touch with the things about yourself that you tend to not show, right? And oftentimes it's referred to as like your 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 shadow self, right? What Carl mm -hmm. Jung's work um, showed about that, that we all grow up, we start to learn shame, right? We're happy as we're little kids, but then people begin to tell us things. You're not good at that. You shouldn't yep. do that. You're comparing yourself. And we tend to push these things down about ourselves. For me, it was um, my stutter, my shame. I associated it with shame, with speaking, and because I experienced this humiliation. So these were things about myself. I, I tend to really push down. I can't do this and I can't do that because of it. But if we get back in touch with those parts of ourselves that we've hidden, right, through kind of a visualization or a meditation, really think about it, who all the things you fear and you hide from yourself and you don't show to others, if you imagine it taking on kind of a, a human or not necessarily even human, a living form, right, and see like, what does it look like? Right? When I did this exercise for me, it was like this blob, like, I don't know if you know the old movie from I think the, the 40s or 50s, The Blob, right? There's just this living thing mm -hmm. that um, that is just eating everything in its path. I imagine that was what was in me, kind of in my throat, eating my words, right? And I couldn't get rid of it. But when I accepted that was part of me, and I not only tried to push it away, I just embraced it. Right. And I showed that part of me some love. That's when everything began to change and I began to work through my fears. And I would get up on stage and instead of taking that propanol pill, be like, you know what? This, my inner self, this inner shadow part of my, is right with me. And that's where all that creativity is. And it empowers me and makes me even stronger that's when I had breakthroughs with my public speaking fear right. and everything started to change because of that. Yeah. I, I would tend to agree with you. I actually think we should continue legitimizing the fact that this fear of public speaking thing, which apparently is, is, is a, is a big thing in our world. It is, it's all philosophical in its mindset. It's less to do with the technical stuff. Um, part, part of the way I kind of coach people on how to get over the fear of public speaking is kind of what we talked about in the beginning of being conscious of your mortality the fact that you're going to die means that this meaning this life can either be meaningful or meaningless it's up to you it's gonna you're gonna die anyway so it really doesn't matter at the end of the day so you might as well make it meaningful and if you're gonna make it meaningful then that means that the ability to communicate who you are in a world um that is filled with noise is probably one of the best aspects to get to meaning right because you get to self-actualize yourself and communicate the nature of your existence 
So when you're talking about getting over the fears and accepting all the stuff that's the blob in your head and then using that as fuel to eventually speak, to me that that is the best philosophical mindset trick someone can use because it's not going to be through breathing techniques if the fear is really that that deep-rooted in you, right? Yeah, I think there's this whole... Um... I mean, gosh, you know, go through any self-help book section in a bookstore and there's so much out there about, you know, power of positive thinking, right? Yep. We need to just kind of suppress our inner critic and silence them and, um, you know, happy, happy thoughts, right? And that's not really living. That's not how humans are. Yep. And, you know, like you talk about with our mortality and if you've experienced grief in your life, there's no way, there's no way around it we can only get through it yep. right and, yep. and getting through these feelings um and i really believe in embracing those embracing your sadness embracing your anxiety to a certain extent extent where you're recognizing it and seeing where it came from and then using that to empower you and be more vulnerable be more often you know authentic when you're speaking people will relate to that on a much deeper level than they will anything else. And every time I speak and I have the opportunity to be in front of people, I try to bring that with me. And it does add a sense of calm and peace to how I'm feeling because I know if I'm just, if I'm authentic with whoever's in front of me and I'm not trying to be, you know, my best self all the time, like Oprah says, right? It's not sustainable. Right. It's exhausting to go through your life trying to be someone else right? Or always be positive, rah, rah, happy, right? It's, um, but instead, if we would let ourselves be ourselves, it's, um, it's empowering. It gives a lot of energy, I think, to your, your speaking as well. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the concept of positivity stems from not continuously being positive, but continuously being positive so that when life gets really rough, that positivity somehow shines through. But if you're continuously negative, then when life actually gets negative, like not when you're, uh, coffee had less milk in it but when you actually have to deal with something bad then positivity really is going to matter a lot yeah. um, and i think there's this difference between negativity and just like a sadness or how you're really feeling right right so um i think when you feel sad you should embrace that sadness let yourself cry get some creativity out of it um but yeah when we're negative usually we're reacting to something exactly. instead of yeah thoughtfully responding to the situation right and loving ourselves through it in some way and acknowledging other people with compassion and um and i think that's really the opposite um i think it might have been brene brown that wrote about vulnerability um, vulnerability. vulnerability and then no it's actually um elizabeth gilbert and she wrote this book called big magic that i love all about you know being creative and she said complaining is the opposite of creativity uh. and so when we're being negative and we're complaining that we're not creating and i always think about that yep. if i'm you know, negative complaining about something yeah it's not what i want to be doing i agree 100 percent, 100 percent. looks like you've uh you you've got you definitely are that certified life coach <laughs> got some stuff in you um <laughs> So marketing, uh, a lot of the speaking that you're helping business owners with is, is to turn their stories into effective marketing campaigns. I guess, can you give us a little bit of insight about how your public speaking consulting is also helping um, business owners develop a strategy to communicate their stories to actually make more money? 
Absolutely. I mean, Maya Angelou said that people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And I think this is really true in marketing as well, that people aren't, they're not buying your service or your product. They are investing in your story and how that story makes them feel. And especially today, I mean, storytelling began right with cavemen for survival, but in today's world, it's just as important in the sea of marketing that's out there um, and sea of advertising, you know, everywhere you go on, on social media, people are, you know, vying for your attention and your dollars. Right. And so how do you stand out? And you may have the most passionate, you know, loving mission in the world to help people, but it's not going to come across that way or as um, authentic unless you really let people know what your story is. And this can be done in very simple ways as long as it, it follows a basic narrative arc and you have that emotional connection with people and make them feel something, right? that's going, you're going to be memorable and you are going to stand out and therefore your business is going to grow Um, out of this and out of this place where you're not being salesy and you're not having to, you know, give Facebook like a million dollars or anything, right? Right. You're just going to start telling your story. And um, I love doing that. So when you're um, helping business owners, is it the public speaking side of telling stories and then how those stories combine into their business vision and then when you're coaching them are you coaching them for like actual speaking engagements or rather just coaching them so that in their interpersonal day-to-day operations for the business they can actually communicate to get stuff done yeah it's really a variety um in some cases a lot of business owners need to get out there at networking events right right that's really big here on this island actually there's all these networking um organizations and i'm part of one here and every week, like we get together and we have to give these elevator pitches, 45 seconds, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Most people are just saying their name, what their title is, blah, right. blah, blah, what they do. No one's going to remember that, right? So even in 45 seconds, it's sometimes I coach people how to give this perfect pitch where you can stand out and have people remember who you are. So sometimes it's something like that. A lot of times people are giving a presentation, let's say it's just five minutes, they get an opportunity to get up in front of a group of other business owners, tell what they do. And they're always leaning towards, oh, I wanna give a PowerPoint, it's okay, I'm gonna read some slides, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna show some data here and there. But I teach them how to actually tell Tell a story that people are going to remember, right. uh, even if it's just how they've helped someone, right? Just that story can be super impactful. Um, I may have the opportunity coming up next week to work with a local politician who's running for office. And that's huge. You know, the Democratic debates are going on. I love watching debates because I find like the candidates that tell a story, they stand out. Right. They, they always, they're always the ones you're kind of, you're talking about a little bit more the next day. Right. Um, and I'm going to be working with a nonprofit who's doing a capital campaign and they're literally just asking for a whole lot of money, right? To expand. And right. how do they get up in front of these potential donors and tell these stories? And they had actually hired a big marketing company and they were really disappointed with the results. Um, and the CEO happened to be at a talk I gave and was like, nope, you're what we need. Yeah, because big so marketing companies there, usually suck. 
so yeah right <laughs> yeah it usually sucks. so <laughs> yeah so using those stories to um to help them grow so it's really it all boils down to the same thing but i can help so many different people through it that makes sense to me storytelling um what do you think is the most important aspect of storytelling so i actually want to go a little deep on this because um yeah. I, I haven't had like public speaker on the guest uh, a guest on the show that is like really really old their work is constructing stories um do you think it's relatability to the audience do you think it's like the analogies that you use the figurative language the personal experience the examples the historical examples what makes a story actually connect with people that's a really good question and there's a lot I think a lot of people assume that storytelling, you have to be really creative to tell a story and, and you know, you're following those kind of elements that you just discussed, which are important, being relatable and all of that. But honestly, it's very scientific. Mm. And there's the amazing research out there showing what your brain looks like when you're listening to facts and data, right? right? Someone getting out, giving a great, you know, it could be a great presentation, you know, maybe they're doing a PowerPoint, they've got great slides and, you know, all this good information is going into your brain and certain areas of your brain do light up just because of that, you're, you're listening and your language area is gonna, gonna light up a bit, right? right? But when we tell a story, like our brains like literally light up in ways that in no other form of communication they do because we're engaging that emotional center of our brain right. and our brains even release um, a drug called oxytocin, right? Which is also called the empathy drug. And it connects us. It almost like melds our two brains together between the speaker and the, you know, the audience member listening. Um, really become so engaged right. that as a listener, we start to experience uh, what that storyteller is sharing with us as if we had that same experience ourselves. So it promotes empathy and it engages empathy in a way nothing else does. And when you say going to a deeper level, for me, that's my deeper, deeper why of why I do what I do. I believe the world needs more empathy. Mm. When we feel empathy towards another human, it, it um, is so much more, you know, it's tolerance, right? It's compassion. It's understanding on these different, deeper levels. And I really believe that through that, the world really can be a better place, like one story at a time um, right. because of that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's, yeah, like fr from a scientific perspective, I think that's true and we've seen that in our real world like books have been around forever uh, movies film now with social media it's just storytelling on different platforms it's like storytelling is the essence of our humanity and the mediums by which we express those stories have changed over time as they will in the future but the storytelling needs to continuously stay the same i think it also makes sense because everyone's talking like ai is going to automate everything things are going to go away business businesses are going to get shut down I think the businesses that can tell stories are probably always going to last, right? Even if they get automated, their essential marketing campaign for the, the nature of why that business is relevant will continue to exist if people connect with the mission of the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, yeah, it's what makes us human, right? right? And it's, um, it's, it's outlasted everything else. I mean, there's this, um, there's this cave it's like 40,000 years old in Argentina and they, they discovered it. And it's just all these handprints, like, 
you know, the early, early humans had um, put clay, colored clay in their hands and just left their mark. Right. And I think about that because it's like, that's what we want, right? And you talk about, you know, mortality, right? All, we want to leave our mark. We are all here for this very limited time. And how do we do that, right? How do we really leave our mark in this memorable way? And I believe storytelling is a way to do that. And it can be done through, yeah, the, like a visual, a visual story, um, or through just getting out there on stage and, and, and speaking, I think is really the most impactful way. I almost feel like it's this, you know, secret weapon or like an unfair advantage. If you can become a powerful public speaker, you can reach, you know, reach people on this really amazing level because of that better than anything else can do um, right. in any other medium. Yeah, and I think uh, when you bring up the power of public speaking, I think it's so important that like people are actually authentic of what they're speaking about because I've done a lot of research on speaking and, and I like I come across motivational speakers that I can tell are absolutely full of bullshit and it's just like it's so goddamn obvious that like failure leads to success. It's like yes, that's been said 50 billion times. Can you please say it in a way that either makes me think you care about it or is communicated originally? And it's like I see so many speakers making so much money off giving these motivational talks that at least from one perspective, from an audience member's perspective, it's not real. And maybe I'm wrong about that. But if if I'm not feeling a genuine connection with you, but I'm feeling a connection with other people, maybe there's a trend. So I feel like whatever you're speaking about, particularly if it's your business, hopefully you've actually care about that business right so that you don't have to manufacture this authenticity that you're trying mm -hmm. to communicate but it's actually in you it's real yeah you are not wrong about that i think especially today there's you know all this you know the sales funnel and all of that so everybody's vying for your attention they're giving facebook a lot of money so your ad pops up and maybe they do have a really catchy hook and right. it's the pain point they've honed in on right that that speaks to you in some way yeah. but yeah i've gone down that rabbit hole myself many times i'm like oh i'll watch the free webinar awesome <laughs> and um i'm like really really there's no substance there's no originality there very rarely is someone really say and it's because they're speaking from this place that they want you to click and they want to you know make more money and they are they're probably making you know shit ton of money like good for them like they feel like they're doing it but it doesn't shine through as to like why like right. why do they who do, are they going to help especially in this life coaching you know um day right there's like a lot of life coaches out there and it's funny because what pops up on my facebook feed is always um this like six-figure life coach who wants to teach like um unsuccessful coaches how to make tons of money through the sales funnel that they're using but it's so kind of hypocritical as it never talks about why you want to help people have more happier lives right it's always just about the money and how you can live this kind of lifestyle so yeah in inauthenticity right it's that's not what we want to stay away from and storytelling is a way i feel like it's the opposite of that right, right? it's the opposite of this campaign that's out there just like um drenching us daily right in it you can't go anywhere without seeing that at least online so um I, yeah i'd rather do the opposite yeah no i, I agree <laughs> i agree 100 percent. it's just like you you end up going down the funnel and you're just like this person is like they're, they're, i don't know it just it doesn't feel as authentic as it should be and that's not saying sales funnels are bad that's just saying mm -hmm. like it has to come off as if it's real or authentic or else you're gonna you, the point mm -hmm. is you give up brand equity as soon as you start selling right so as soon as i mm -hmm. ask you for some money 
immediately you're not as relatable anymore because now you've turned into a salesman. Mm -hmm. So the more you can just keep putting valuable stuff out there without having to ask for money because the story speaks for itself and people want to give you money, I feel like then um, you just get a lot more control over yourself. It's amazing. Like when you get out there and you're just telling your story, it doesn't feel like you're selling because you're really not. Right. You're getting out there and just being like authentic and your passion is always contagious. And I believe that when you start doing that, the right people for you to serve, they just, they start showing up before you. Right. And I think, you know, the people that, you know, are doing kind of inauthentic um, sales pitches, they mean well, and they're probably coming from a good place and they just want to, they want to be successful, want to help more people, but they haven't been taught really that it's okay to be themselves right. and it's okay to um, to do things in a little different way and have this emotional connection. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I would agree with that hundred percent at the end of the day. Um, I want to, I want to just get into the last couple of questions. One is about your business. So you moved to Hawaii and now you're running this huge consulting practice. How did you start marketing yourself to get clients and like actually get work to start doing? Well, I joined, the first thing I did when I moved is I joined a local networking group. It's called Business Networking International, BNI. It's actually international all over the world. Um, but I put myself out there and on a, you know, I'm a hundred percent introvert, right? And um, I don't really, like a networking business group is the last thing in the world I usually want to take part in. Right. But I challenged myself to, to do that, but do it my way. Right. And and I've really I love working with people with strategies to get over even the sphere of networking, especially as an introvert boss. Right. To get in there in that room and connect with people. How do you do that? Um, you do it through storytelling. Right. And being authentic and allowing yourself to be a little vulnerable, asking powerful questions that people might not expect from just meeting you. Right. Right. Um, but that's how I started to really grow my business right away was joining a networking group so I could be in front of people I could potentially serve and they know a bunch of people and it's this ripple effect. Right. And, right. and I highly recommend that it was like just being, being part of some groups, getting yourself in front of people that are your people, right. In one way or another. Um, but then it's really a word of mouth, I think starts to kick in. And for me, that felt really good where it never felt salesy for me to try to grow my business. When I started just getting myself in front of people and speaking my truth, Right. And right. the first time I had an opportunity to give a workshop or give a talk, like I did it. And Take I always advantage. tell myself, like, I want to be the person in the room that creates an emotional connection and leaves people with maybe a shift in their mindset. I'm never going to share just like the stats of what I do. I'd rather just change their mind about something, get them to think a little differently. And because of that, I think people, um, the right people started showing up. Um, to support me that that wanted yeah wanted in on that so right yeah that yeah. makes a lot of sense it i mean i feel like word of mouth is also just more natural it's more organic and once you start connecting yeah. with all these people in your actual community and they say hey laura knows how to help you tell your story it just keeps a snowball effect from yeah. there yeah. And then you want everything else to support that. So, you know, my website has my story, it has, you know, client stories on there and on social media. I try to make it storytelling as, you know, in whatever way I can, even if it's just, you know, a little snippet or a photograph, I want it to try to tell a story in some way. Right. right? And um, I think that's, that's helped. I mean, my latest thing that I'm really excited about is these, um, an online course 
because I think that's a way that, you know, introverts like me, they can stay in their jammies if they want, and it's just a self-paced course. Right. So I have that devoted really just to helping people overcome public speaking. I think that might be the post you saw on, on LinkedIn. Probably. That, that is probably the think, post linked us together. Um, But that's, you know, that's another way that I'm growing, I'm growing my business um, as well is creating these courses and I'm having fun with it and trying to do it in a little different way than what I see out there a lot and trying to, yeah, bring my authenticity to it. Cool. Um, So last two questions. The second to last question is, what do you see for the future of the name of the business? Remind me the name of it again. My business is Storyforce. Storyforce, yes, that's what I thought. Yeah. What is the? Do you see it becoming something global? Do you want to just take over the island? Do you? Or do you see yourself just <laughs> if it, if it's making money and and you're and you're happy? Is that all that matters? Like, what do you see as the exponential future for it? I think my business model, for better or for worse, has always been kind of about staying small. Yeah. Because how I see it, it's like the more you grow, then I'd have to hire people, and then I'm spending more money, and then I need to get more like, you know, have an advertising person that I hire and this and a a bookkeeper and all these things. I loved, I love kind of being in control of, um, of what I'm doing and not really relying on a lot of people. Not to say I don't have my own support here and there for people um, that help me with things. But at the same time, I, I don't, that's not as, I don't know, there's different ways to grow. Right. 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 Um, And I see myself, helping more people in ways that are aligned to me. So I don't necessarily have to get so big that I have all the staff, but at the same time, if my online courses take off, I can go from helping one person to one to like one to many in this really, you know, beautiful way. Um, And kind of have be helping these people while I'm sleeping at home. (laughs) And I, I love that. So that that frees up for me to still have these like one on one clients that I really love helping them get to their origin story and gives me time to travel and do um, do speaking that way as well. So that's what I'm really interested in. I'm doing my first keynote um, speak in Bali in March. And and that I'm super excited about that. So those are the kind of things that really just make my soul sing. And I want to be able to do that. What is the Um, the keynote uh, oriented towards? This is a conference on spirituality and psychology. So awesome. I'm talking about the power of story, of course, and yeah, and the transformation that comes through through that through owning your story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My last question is the question I ask every guest on this podcast, just because I think it's a fun question. I think you kind of already answered it, but are you happy at this point of your life? Hmm. That's a great question. I am. I am really happy. I am happy even when answer. I'm. Even when I'm sad and I'm feeling, you know, grief, I'm missing my dad, or I'm thinking about you know, my own mortality, I'm grateful for that. Like if it wasn't for, I think the, um, wasn't for the challenges and I've been through my in my life, even failures, even all those years of a lot of public speaking anxiety, I'm so grateful for all of that, even that pain, because it's led me to where I am today and I've learned I've learned so much like, and I really believe everything is a gift right. and I definitely don't have all the answers. I'm definitely not, you know, like, you know, but I've let go of that, right? I've let go of the idea of this perfection or right. even this idea of there's somewhere to get to or some happier version of myself. If I just do this and that and this other thing and I accomplish my goals, I'm going, then I'm going to be happy, right? No, like I am because I've accepted who I am now for like and all the good and the bad that comes with that. I can be happy right now in this very moment. 
Right. And that's been a huge breakthrough for me. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. I also think it's because the public speaking anxiety, even if it was at 40, you overcame it. And that's important because at 80, if you didn't, I feel like you would regret it. And that would kill you even more than actual death, mm. right? Regrets kill you a lot lot faster before you die. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, if I, if I do die, you know, very soon, like, I feel like I, I wouldn't have the regrets. Exactly. Right? And that's right. like, that is, that is huge. So mortality, it's such a motivator. I think to finally to realize and you're really young you got your whole life right but hopefully um, you know but yeah. it, could, it could go tomorrow right it's just like that's why i think it's the only motivator to, you know it is it's so powerful i'm so happy you're spreading that message that's really important yeah, thank you and I, I appreciate your message i appreciate you shedding a lot of light on the power of storytelling Thank everybody for listening. Um, Laura, I'm just going to give you one last plug so you can shout out where people can find you. But thank you for being on the Public Speakers Podcast. Thank you so much. I've really had fun. You guys can find me on my website. It's uh, storyforth, S-T-O-R-Y-F-O-R-T-H dot I-O, not a dot com, dot I-O. Um, and then my online um, course, I have a free course up there right now, Public Speaking Tips, and that is uh, the speakeasyschool.com. All right. Thank you all for listening. Go check out Laura and we'll see you on another episode of the Public Speakers Podcast. Aloha. Aloha.